Willis Welcome to the Fade Route. With DNZ. Here are your hosts. DNZ. Welcome everybody to this week's episode of the Fade Route with DNZ. I am Z and we got a great show for you. We're talking about the Braves-Mets series that was. Aaron Rodgers used a use of a psychoactive drink and how it's not a violation of the NFL's drug policy. And we're ordering up the NFC North. But we begin with the career of Serena Williams. Tennis legend Serena Williams uh, penned an article in Vogue saying that she's stepping away from the game of tennis to focus on having a family. You know, she has one child and she would like to have another. And her daughter clearly wants to be a big sister in no uncertain terms. Quote from the article. She says, I want to be a big sister. You can't be more definitive than that. She does not want to be... She does not want to be a sister to a girl. A boy, rather. She wants to be a sister to a girl. So, good for you. Like That's great, Olympia. Olympia Williams. Fantastic. But, the article brings up something very interesting. That... You know, like female, other female athletes, Serena Williams has to make a choice. And I don't necessarily think it's a fair choice, but it is one that she has to do because of biology. You know, there's a choice between tennis, the sport she loves, clearly the sport she, you know, has plied her craft to since she was a child, you know, with the help of her dad and her big sister Venus. And then there's the family life. And they're, they're mutually exclusive because one will cost time away from the other. And it's a forced choice for sure, but, you know, it's one that creates a little bit of a double standard because in her, the article, she clearly points out something that is very true. If it was a scenario like Tom Brady, Tom Brady has the luxury to have his, you know, have his child and go immediately back to work after maybe like a two-week paternity leave or something like that. Whereas Serena Williams has to have the child, nurse the child, recover from the birth, get physically, you know, accustomed, physically acclimated back in shape so she can play. And that's a, it's a different scenario altogether. And she is the greatest in her sport, and Tom Brady is the greatest in, in his sport, and I understand where, you know, she's drawing that comparison. And it is phys- more physically demanding on a woman than it is a man, because men don't give birth. So I completely understand where she's coming from. But uh, I also understand her desire to want to step away from the game for a while, to kind of embrace her family and grow it and kind of take it from there. She is a legend. She is, without a doubt, a transcendent player in her sport and an inspiration to many girls, not just women of color, but any female athlete, much in the same way 
you know, many of the World Cup soccer players, your Megan Rapinos, your Mia Hams, your Brandy Chastains, they were inspiration for a previous generation and a current generation. She too, Serena Williams too, is an inspiration to a generation of girls. Not only sending the message that she can compete at a top level, but she can have a family, she can be a dominant athlete, and she can do it on her terms. So congratulations, Serena, and best of luck to you as you take your much needed step away. And, you know, we hope and we wish that you get what you want and that your family grows and it's happy and healthy and you are happy and healthy as well. And here he is. I've known this guy since our days on Carousel Shoes, flight crew through and through the last QB in St. John's history. What's up, D? How's it going, man? Yeah, it's going great. Uh, you were so excited to start the show with Serena Williams. Uh, yeah, I mean, to me, it is what it is. I mean, we have the WNBA. Those women, you know, they usually take a year off to have a kid and they, they come back to play in basketball um serena got her family started i think a little later in life you know she's gonna be 40 this year um or maybe even 41 um so yeah she'll be 41 this year so i mean she 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 had her time you know i i uh you know for me never really been a big fan of hers um she always came off to me as arrogant um she seemed to be not humbled by defeat in the past she would always talk about injuries refs or weather to kind of cite why she why she lost to somebody and she's a dominant player i mean she's probably the best women's tennis player of our generation um you see her play people and sometimes she's just overpowering and just dominates and then when she, and to her credits when you know as she got older she wasn't able to keep up with some of the some of the players she was playing and her body her body started to betray her um but you know she's retiring from tennis i mean uh, i i don't want to i don't i don't want to hear this nonsense that she's focusing on a family it's not like you've gotten to the age where you know you can no longer compete at a high level tennis you know and if any you ask anybody tennis is a young women's game i mean usually when you get past a certain age, you really just can't compete with the younger kids. I mean, most of these women tennis players are starting at like 15, 16, 17 years old. Um, and she's inspired so many people to play the game. And, you know, Will Smith did the movie about her father. I mean, her and Venus are, are legends. Um, but, you know, it's like when I retire, I'm not going to say, well, I'm going to go spend time focusing on drinking and being on the beach. No, I'm going to say I'm, re- I'm retiring. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm finished with my work. I'm finished with what I was doing. But, um, you know, like I said, I think um, I, I'm looking forward to the future of women's tennis. I mean, most of the time when she shows up on a court, you think she's going to dominate. You think she's going to win. And now there's an opening you know, Saka, you know, she's had trouble with the press and there's just this opening for a new era of women's tennis that could be taking place. Well, definitely. I mean, there's always going to be someone next in line and that's just the way sports is. So like the chair will not be empty long when it right. comes to that. But um, what do you think about her 
the uh, the iteration of a double standard you know like if she was tom brady she'd be looked at in like a different light because she'd be able to recover quickly and she'd be back on the court faster and she would be able to assert her dominance even more what are your thoughts on that kind of you know i just don't know i mean even tom i mean look at look at the lengths he goes through to keep his body in in shape and keep himself playing at 43 44 um you know it is different for women because do women do give birth to the children and it does take them a longer time to recover especially if they're having a cesarean section so she i mean she has a point in that retrospect um but i think i think men face different challenges and, and i think you know tom is in a situation where you know his his wife is also rich so you know the wife is able to just jizzle was able to spend time with the children after they were born but for tom he probably had to get back out there and work and get back there out there and compete and and i know in his documentary he talked about how he missed a lot of time raising his older son because he he his the wife was in los angeles and he was playing for the patriots so he really only got to see his son in the offseason so that was you know there's a different there's a different effect there right there's a different there's a different psychosis going on where you know you 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 feel almost like am i being selfish am i devoting too much time to the game and not enough time to to my children well, then you get other players like Derek Jeter, who didn't start his family until later in life. Steve Young. Steve Young's children have never seen Steve Young play football. He, he, he married his wife later on in life, and they had children later on in life. So, you know, there's, there's, you know it could be looked at in a, in a multitude of ways. Definitely. And um, as far as legacy goes, you know, where where does she stand? Where is Serena Williams stand? You know, you have Margaret Court, you have Martina Navratilova, you have Chris Everett. Like, where is she on, on the in the Pantheon? Yeah, it's hard for me to speculate where she is in the Pantheon, but I can say she's the greatest women's player of my generation. Um, I've, I, I single-handedly have watched her dominate some of the best players in the world. Um, and I don't know if the if the if the women athletes or the women tennis players before her dominated the way she dominated. I mean, she I think she had a record of what 186 consecutive weeks at number one or something like that, or something crazy like that. Like that's 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 insane, you know. So and I think 319 weeks in total at number one. I mean. She's she's a force to be reckoned with. She's dominant, and yeah, to me, she's she's the best all the time that I've seen. Yeah, we've never seen a force as dominant as Serena in singles and the Williams sisters in doubles. You know that was, you know that's the thing. Like they are they are a force. The Williams sisters, Serena as well as Venus, but particularly we're talking about Serena here. Serena is a dominant force, and you know. I would say that her stature is very well set in women's sports history. And I think that she's definitely going to, you know, there's always going to be someone to come along, but she's the greatest of a generation. I agree. And, you know, we'll see, you know, you're looking at other female tennis players. You're also looking at other female tennis players of color, right? You're looking at Naomi Osaka. You're looking at Coco Goff. You're looking at a multitude of players who can ascend while Serena's away, and when Serena comes back, are they going to be able to hold her off? I would definitely, you know, Shaq is, you know, I attribute the quote to him, 38 and 28, bro. But, you know, when she come, when Serena comes back, she might be 42, 43, you know, 43 and 20, 43 and 33. But, you know, 
the other athletes need to make hay while the sun is shining. But Serena Williams will be back and we will hear from her again. You can't help but smile when you see a balloon. The simplest occasion is a party. Westchester Popstar is located in New Rochelle, New York, offers balloon styling and decor for all life's events. Birthdays, anniversaries, weddings, showers, school and corporate events, store openings, or just because. Westchester Popstars takes balloons and shapes them into works of art, creating decorative installations for your special occasions. No event is too big or too small, and their custom personalization service is top notch. Westchester Popstars is a private studio, quickly expanding. In-person consultation is by appointment only. Send an email to westchesterpopstars at gmail.com for more information or to schedule an appointment. No need to hire an event stylist. All you need is balloons. Currently servicing Westchester, Putnam, New York City, and Connecticut. To find Westchester Popstars, search for them on Instagram, Facebook, or Google. Now, I'm away on vacation, coming to you live from the Mariner in an LBI. I needed a break. I needed a break after that series between the Mets and the Braves. That was, that was an absolute emotional roller coaster for me, mostly because of the fact that I never thought, with the exception of one game, I never thought that it was going to be over until the final act. And that's how you want baseball, right? You want the nail biter. You want the emotional roller coaster. The Mets took four out of five from your Braves. It was definitely sweaty. Like there was nothing comfortable about it at all. As the Bra- as the resident Braves fan here, how are you feeling right now? I'm just gonna, I'm checking in right. I'm checking in with you. How are you doing? I love how you plugged the Mariner in. Uh, did they give you a polo for that? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I might just get an extra set of towels. But we'll go with that. <laughs> uh, so how did I feel? I mean, I was uninspired. Um, that's the word I, I, came, I came up with. We, uh, you know, we couldn't, we couldn't beat, we couldn't beat Degrom. We couldn't beat Scherzer. Um, we, and we're gonna have to, have to beat those guys at least once if we meet the Mets in the playoffs. You know, you're probably going to have to beat one of them twice. Um, so, that's where I was. I liked how we beat Walker, or Walker kind of beat himself. And uh, we touched up the bullpen, which I thought was mm. important, you know. Um, I thought Showalter bringing in Diaz and making him pitch two innings was what was a great move by him because he wanted to show, hey, I could do this, and he could do this, and we could do this if we wanted to. Um, I think he, I think we were out-coached. I mean, Buck is just, I underestimated how good of a coach he is. He really just knows his team, knows his players. Um, so he's got them playing for him. Um, but uh, we need to pitch better. I mean, Freed looked like fried chicken. Um, <laughs> now on the I.O. with a concussion. And then we have Strider talking shit after a loss. Like, dude, it's not a good look at all. Be a humble loser. They beat us. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I felt I felt Riley got some good rips. 
Uh, he wasn't afraid of Scherzer, and he wasn't afraid of Degrom. I thought that was great. Like he looked, he looked like a ball, he looked like a ball player against them. We needed that. Um, they tested Acuna's arm, uh, and they were not afraid of it, and he didn't deliver. Um, he had a good, he had good at bats though. He had a good series. I felt, you know, he he put a charge into a couple, and he he scored runs. He had RBIs, and. Um, I think he's going to be ready next time he faces uh, some of those other members of the bullpen. I think they showed him, they showed Acuna a lot, and he's not going to forget about it. No, definitely. And it was a learning curve. It definitely was a learning curve. And we're going to see. Like, this is not over. Not over by any sense of the imagination because August 15th, this coming Monday, the series starts, right? Round two starts in Truist Park. Now, the. The Braves did touch up Taiwan Walker. Taiwan Walker had his worst outing of the year. Um, they got to the bullpen several times. Adam Adovino, another inherited runner, comes around to score. Seth Lugo was up and down in the series. But the only comfortable bullpen arm that you have if you're a Met fan is Edwin Diaz. And the rotation is not there where they're going eight and then you're handing it off in, to Diaz in the ninth. And Diaz can't go six outs routinely. You know, he's not Goose Gossage. That game isn't there anymore. It's not, it's just not set up for that anymore. But kudos to Tyler Naquin having a big series. You know, McNeil did a great job. Nimmo, Alonzo, the, the regular contributors for the Mets were there. Luis Guillorme, again, just, he's in the lineup. He's going through a little bit of a rough patch right now. I'm still not sold on whether, on why he is in over Eduardo Escobar. Solid, solid defensive plays, though, in the series. Solid defensive plays. Solid defensive plays. Absolutely. I'm with you on that, but you, you need to provide a little bit with a stick. Now, he's been there most of the year. This might just be a blip on the radar screen. And Eduardo Escobar is, you know, they're in a strict platoon right now. It appears that they're going to be in a platoon. So that's the way they're going to go. And, you know, I see that, that, you know, that's the way this has been structured. And as of right now, kudos to Billy Epler. Because the big additions were DeGrom, Trevor May, and James McCann. So, you know, say what you will about James McCann. But May has been up and down. He's got to hit his stride. DeGrom had a no-hitter going into the sixth inning. So, you know, DeGrom is hitting his stride. I still, you know, I'm still not sold on him routinely throwing 102 miles an hour. I think that's bad for his arm long-term. I'm with you on that. If he can dial it back a little bit and do what Verlander does, where he's, you know, he can reach for it when you need it. You don't need to be consistently there. You know, I think that's more of a Jeremy Hefner thing that he needs to go speak with Jacob, Jake DeGrom and just like, dude, ease off the gas a little bit. It'll be there when you need it. Just, you know, do it then. But the bullpen definitely leaves, you know, a lot to be desired. They needed a lefty. Joely Rodriguez did got the job done, but they needed another lefty. You know, they targeted, they were looking at Andrew Chafin from the Tigers. Nothing materialized there. Um, the bullpen, you know, Michael Givens, Settled in a little bit after his rocky first outing, but it's uninspiring to say the least. The the Mets are going to have to get length from their starters. They're going to have to get 
key time and clutch hitting like they've been getting. They've been murdering the ball as of late. And granted, it was the Cincinnati Reds, you know, who felt their wrath this go around. They're now at a six game winning streak. But you play who's on your schedule and you beat who's on your schedule. Um, as of right now, I'm excited. And this is going to be, you know, this is going to be a well contested race as we go through. And the Phillies aren't going anywhere either. Like the Phillies are sticking with them. And they're going to be three teams in the National League East representing in the playoffs. Do you love brownies? Of course you love brownies. But you know what's better than a brownie? A delicious, handcrafted, gourmet brownie delivered right to your doorstep. That's what our guys at Sweet Life Brownie Co. offer. Chef Tommy D and the crew offer a dozen delicious delights that you will crave. From the classic OB to Dutch Apple to Campfire S'mores and many more. Check out their website, sweetlifebrownieco.com, for their Friday brownie drops. At noon, their site goes live and you see what they're making. Since you're there, become a site member and earn points. You earn 50 points just by signing up. Make sure you follow them on Instagram and Facebook too, at sweetlifebrownie underscore co, for the latest updates and their latest releases and creations. That's SweetLifeBrownieCo.com. Give them a call, 845-641-3043, and tell them D&Z sent you. That's SweetLifeBrownieCo.com, 845-641-3043. Sweet Life Brownie Co., because there's always room for a brownie. For sure, and, you know, sticking with the cream of the crop in baseball, the Dodgers asserted their dominance over the darling Padres with a three-game sweep, outscoring the Fathers 20-4 to in the three games. Star shortstop Fernando Tastis Jr. is out on a rehab assignment, but it still weighs away. Will Tatis's addition be enough to beat the Dodgers come playoff time? In short, no. <laughs> I, I don't believe in the construction of this team. I, I don't think that they are in a good spot, uh, in a good enough spot to beat the Dodgers who have been there before and who have handled the moment before. They've got a pelt on the wall. Tell me, please tell me what the San Diego Padres have done besides assemble a really good team on paper. You don't win on paper. And, you know, Juan Soto is already, already writing checks that he can't cash because he mentioned, you know, good luck to everybody. Good luck to the the pitchers who have to face us. Well, outscored twenty to four. <laughs> look at Good the scoreboard, Buddha. I'm doing look, fine. Look at the scoreboard. We are doing a okay, sir. You know, now granted, you know they had the eleven most most runs in the National League, like five oh five, solid. On base percentage is solid. Slugging is eh. Like they definitely need more. Their batting average is eh. But they need more out of their pitching. You know, they have all the names, right? You have Darvish and Snell and Clevenger. Go down the line. They just added Josh Hader, who blew a save. The pitching mm, pitching needs to improve. The pitching desperately needs to improve. And the Dodgers have done enough that they've built up enough of a lead. (laughs) You know, the the Padres are 16 games back. So, yeah. You know, the, the, the Dodgers, you know, Freddie Freeman is killing it. 
Mookie's killing it. Trey Turner's killing it. They've scored the second most runs. They're not going anywhere. So they need, the Padres need to outpitch because the Dodgers offense is just going to take it to you. And frankly, like the division's a wrap. You're just playing for the playoffs. Yeah, the second wild card, no less. Um, mm. Yeah, I'm with you too. I mean, I I don't really think so. The Dodgers are the class of the National League. They're like the 1998 or 1999 Yankees. They really remind me of what the Yankees were in the 90s. Like, we went out and bought everybody. We have more money than you. You know, that's the kind of attitude they have. And they have all the talent. Um, at the moment, the Padres seem like a collection of stars and talent. They don't seem to be like a baseball team, right? Uh, they might turn it on at some point, but next year will be better for them. You know, they need to gel a little bit. They need to hang out and they need to, you know, put their put their personal egos aside. I mean, you, you, so they talk to Manny Machado and he's clearly oblivious to how important the, the, the last three games were. And then, you know, you have another guy, Tatis Jr., who's off riding motorcycles, not understanding, like, his value to the team this year. You remember the uh, the statement? You remember the statement, right? When they were asking about the motorcycle accident, they put him on the IL. He said, "Which one?" Which time? Yeah, which yeah. one? Yeah. And then you have the new guy coming over. He he hasn't said the right thing since he's got there, you know. So, you know, I think their their manager's got his his work cut out for him, and they got to become more of a team. They got to gel. But how about Tatis Jr. really just missing the entire season? I mean, when is this August 11th? This guy was supposed to be back around the All-Star break. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. And, you know, at, at, at some, uh, you know, I thought, I thought we were going to get to see him. And now when he comes back, he's going to have to get in shape. And then you know he's just going to get hurt, right? He's going to get hurt again. Yeah. Now, I threw this out on trade deadline day. I threw this out on Twitter at FadeRouteDNZ. When the Juan Soto thing went down, in order to match up salaries, I put out a tweet that said, "You're doing you, the only way you're doing this is if you're doing Soto for Tatis straight up to balance out the money and to balance out the age, because that would have been a perfect deal for Mike Rizzo. You want a rebuilding team? There's your superstar. Like that's the guy. You're throwing Tatis into the mix with Soto and Machado." And, you know, guys that need to have their slice of humble pie and Tatis, who clearly needs to have his slice of humble pie. It's not a good mix. Like, there's a lot of... There's a lot of personalities in that. There's a lot lot of ego. There's a lot of ego. A lot of ego. And Bob Melvin, this is the, quote-unquote, most talented team he's ever coached. He's taken less and made more out of it. So, it's, right, it's the opposite of everything he's had to deal with, right, up until this point. Yeah, and I don't think that Tatis, you know, I don't think that one man makes a team. I don't I don't think that in Major League Baseball. So Tatis can be good for a spark, but he's not a 16-game spark because the Dodgers are still way ahead, and the Dodgers are way better. And the Dodgers are a confident bunch, and yeah, like Tatis, like you said, he still needs to round out into, into baseball shape. So what's he going to be? And there's no guarantee he's going to get hurt again. You know, there's no guarantee. Meanwhile, speaking of guarantees, we're guaranteed that the Yankees season is going a little roller coastery right now. The Yankees broke their five-game losing streak. They beat the Mariners 9-4 to after Aaron Boone called a team meeting. Then they promptly lost again. 
So is this a blip on the radar screen or is this cause for concern? Well, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, the Yankees lineup is set now, right? I mean, they've got Benintendi. They're going to have Bader coming back. Like, the issue for the Yankees is the bullpen and Garrett Cole. And I don't think either can be trusted. You just don't know when the Yankees call to the bullpen. It's a it's a roll of the dice of who's coming in, mm-hmm. and it's another roll of the dice in what what the outcome is going to be. Um, you don't you just you don't know who they're going to call on in big situations, and you know that's that's a problem. You have no one out there you can rely on. I mean, they're two and eight in their last ten, so they're going to make the playoffs and. But how far they go, that that's that's TBD. The Yankees are in no danger of missing the playoffs. Like I'm in agreement with you on that. The Yankees are in no danger of dropping to the second wild card or you know anywhere of that nature. Because if you look at that division, Toronto's ten games back, Tampa Bay's twelve, Baltimore's twelve, the Red Sox are seventeen. The Yankees, the, the Yankees are in good shape. The Yankees are fine right now. Aaron Judge is the triple crown leader on the team. So, like, he's a stud. Like, we can say that with, you know, all degree of certainty. On-base percentage, they're the third highest. They have the highest, second highest slugging percentage. They've scored the most runs. Like, batting averages and, but batting averages always end with the Yankees because they're trying to jack the ball at the, the park. You know, this has become an all-or-nothing team. And they've done, they, they've gone and addressed that with bringing in guys like Ben Benintendi and, you know, DJ LeMahieu's playing more. You have, you know, Scott, you bring in the, the bullpen. Like, the bullpen is definitely an issue. But if the starters aren't going to give you length, then that bullpen's going to get taxed. And I understand that Michael King is out. Michael King was an X factor. Chad Green is out. Chad Green has carried the bullpen for a number of years. Aroldis Chapman has slipped back. You may get Zach Britton back in September, but what is Zach Britton going to be when you get him back? I mean, who knows? Like, Zach Britton is either going to be Baltimore Zach Britton or he's going to be, you know, garbage fire. Like, dumpster fire Zach Britton. Like, he's, like he was before he had surgery. And Clay Holmes. Like, will the real Clay Holmes please stand up? Are you the Pittsburgh Clay Holmes? All-star Clay Holmes. Has the league figured you out? Or are you about to, to turn a 180? You know, are you about to go and show who you are? So the Yankees pitching, the, the Yankees are hitting enough to take care of business. Granted, the other night it was a four, it was a thirteen inning extra inning game. They lost one zip. That's that is the outlier. More often than not, the Yankees are going to hit and they're going to score runs. But the Clutch problem still is, is, right, right. But still, the whole thing is, is like once you get into the playoffs, you're going to face elite pitching every day. You are. That, that can shut you down. They can be shut down. And that's what we've learned in this second half is that they're not that first half dominant team. Reality's setting in. You can't fucking bat Rizzo first. Like you can't you can't have this this top heavy lineup where all we're gonna do is blast home runs. We can't have guys playing the outfield that have have never gotten a hit before in major league baseball. Like that shit's just not gonna fly. Right now, to me, their weakness is Garrett Cole and their bullpen. You can't trust any of that. I mean, they're fucking losing games to the Seattle Mariners, for crying out loud. 
now Seattle Mariners are hot. So, you know, they're one of the hottest teams the last 30, 40 games. I'm not, I'm not throwing shade at the Mariners, but you're a team that is, uh, I don't know, what's, what you said the, you said their record before. Like they're, what, they're 71 and 41 games? Yep, they're, thir- they're 30, yep, 30 games over 500. Absolutely. And they're in a division where every team is really good, right? I mean, every team is really good. Yeah, I, that's the thing. You are in a division where you have four teams over 500, right? The Red Sox are a lost cause this year. Like they've, they've part, they've folded the tent, but you are really at this point in time, you're holding off the Astros. Like that is your job. And you need to make sure that you are not. Yeah. So you need to make sure you got home field advantage and that you are not playing in that wild card round. Like that is what Aaron Boone and Brian Cashman need to ensure. Now they made the additions, right? They brought in, Frost, they brought in Montas, who got tagged. Trevino's, you know, been decent in his role, but the rest of the the rest of the guys they need to bring in, they haven't been doing what the Yankees, you know, wanted them to do. Now, granted, Montas was on, uh, he was on leave, bereavement leave, came back, changed teams. I understand that. Give him a little bit of a blow. Second go around, but. The real Frankie Montes, the Oakland Frankie Montes, the guy that you traded for, needs to be there, or else it's Sunny Gray 2.0, and you know Yankee fans will start to be concerned. You absolutely will start to be concerned, and you have every right to be because Oakland ain't the Bronx. We've established that. Like we're going to talk about Joey Gallo later because Joey Gallo always warns mentioning, but you know Arlington isn't the Bronx. Dodger Dodgers. Stadium, Dodger Stadium isn't even the Bronx. Dodgers undefeated with Votto. Yeah, I mean, so uh, with Gallo. <laughs> he's the he's the Jimmy G of baseball. Like all his teams do are, is win. Now, what he contributes to that, you know, it remains to be seen. Avoid messy accidents. Get better stopping power with your brake pads. Callahan brake pads. You never know when you'll be driving in the road and there will be a truck tire that you need to avoid and save your family. Callahan Auto, we really care about what's under your hood. In other news, Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers has admitted to using the psychoactive drink ayahuasca during an off-season retreat to Peru in 2020. The NFL has said that Rodgers did not violate the terms of its drug policy. Double standard or no big deal? Uh, it's no big deal, right? I don't even know how much I believe this story. I think sometimes he says stuff just to get the crowd going, just to get the media circling, the buzzers buzzing. I mean, as long as he didn't put any, as long as he didn't pull a Marshawn Lynch and put other people in danger, and he did this in the off season, I'm fine with it. I mean, I'm sure a lot of guys are doing things they should not do in the off season and taking things they're not supposed to take in the off season. But no, I'm fine with him. He's He's a hippie. I, I think the NFL really needs to take a look at its, you know, drug <laughs> policy. I do. I, I honestly do. Because this is a psychoactive drug. It, it is. It's, it, it may not necessarily be a performance enhancer. It's not a steroid. You know, it's not a drug of abuse, like, say, cocaine is. But it's, you know, it is something that you definitely need to look at and see and pay closer attention to how this substance is altering the mind and how it's affecting people 
right? Because at the end of the day, it is a drug. You need to see that. Now, is it something like marijuana? Marijuana has been loosened. Like, tell that to Josh Gordon. But marijuana has been kind of, you know, destigmatized in the NFL. But it's a clear double standard. Because he's a quarterback, because he's Aaron Rodgers, because he's a quarterback. Like, oh, we're just going to sweep this under the rug because they can't afford to have Aaron Rodgers missing time for violation of its drug policy. You know, they have a lot going on. They have a lot going on with the Deshaun Watson thing. There's a lot of egg going around for the face of the NFL and Roger Goodell. This is just one more piece that they didn't need, but they'll politely sweep it under the rug because it benefits them to do so. I can't remember the last time I was this excited or this intrigued or interested in seeing what a team is going to look like the first five weeks of the season. That's the Green Bay Packers. Like, I'm really looking forward to seeing how Matt LeFleur <laughs> coaches, coaches this team and how this offense looks with all essentially rookie or I'd say B-level receivers. You know, there's no Jordy Nelson out there. There's, there's no Greg Jennings and there's no and there's no um, uh, Adams. So what's this going to look like? Like, how are they going to function? What's the go-to play? You're throwing back shoulder fades to Alan Lazard. Really? I don't think that's going to be in the, in the playbook anymore. Or I think it's the rookie that they, they drafted. Is he going to have a big year? I think his name's Watson. Um, I'm really curious to see how this all unfolds because they're paying this man a ton of money, Right. And where you're essentially saying is, is he's going to make everybody else on this team better. He hasn't done that the last five years, but this year he's going to make everybody better. I don't, I, I don't see it. I mean, maybe that's the whole point. He was opening up his third eye with the ayahuasca in order to see things that weren't there. But, you know, they believe in Christian Watson. Romeo Daubs is another player that Aaron Rodgers is particularly high on. He's making one wow, of the, believe the quote is he's making one wow play per practice, which is nice. Like, that's great. You're building up the confidence of this kid. But, you know, when the lights are on brightest, is this a kid you can trust? You know? Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I mean, they're they're also in like a they're in a soft division, so yeah. you know, well, we'll we'll see we'll see how all that plays out. But now we go from an established quarterback to two guys still making their names. Dolphins quarterback Tua Tonga Viola is slinging it in training camp, impressing coaches with his accuracy. Meanwhile, Patriots quarterback Mac Jones, who did not start tonight in their first preseason game, is struggling in the absence of Josh McDaniels, who is now head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. Will will he have a better year? Which guy is going to have a better year when the lights are the brightest? Well... You would think, with all the weapons they surrounded Tua Tungavailoa around, you know, they, they, they surrounded around him, you would think Tua Tungavailoa would be the guy. Health is going to be the major factor for him, because Tua Tungavailoa gets hurt. Like, that's what he does. Now, it's easy to shine when you're in seven-on-seven seven drills, and you're not being hit, you're not being rushed, and you're allowing you're allowed to have the play develop, right? Tyreek Hill is talking about his accuracy. Jalen Waddle, these guys are looking like studs. 
and apparently they were impressing as well. Tua was also impressing in the game against the Buccaneers. Now, I don't know how many of the Bucs starters were actually on the field. I don't know what they were running, but it's the first preseason game. Chances are it was not anything from the not anything from the VIP section of the playbook. It was very, you know, I'm sure it was very vanilla and it was something that, you know, was very safe. They're saving the good stuff for the the regular season. Mac Jones, like this is worrisome from an administrative standpoint because you're look you're listening to this and we don't have an offensive coordinator, we don't have a defensive coordinator. We don't run out we're eliminating coordinator positions this year. Right? Joe Judge is going to call some plays. Matt Patricia is going to call some plays. Steve Belichick is going to call some plays. Like, when did the New England Patriots become the Brooklyn Nets? Like, well, that's what I want to know. Because, you know, some nights, you know, Matt Patricia's going to be the head coach. Sometimes, you know, it's just Kyrie's going to coach and KD's going to coach and Hard's going to coach. This, <laughs> like, this is not good. This is, this is, this is clown behavior by the Patriots. I, I'm surprised I'm going to, to say that, but. Like, dude, Bill, what are you doing? Bobby, what in the hell are you doing? Listening to reports out of out of camp, Tom Curran from the New York Post for NBC Sports Boston. He's, you know, he's he's describing distressingly bad play, run stuffs, aborted plays, would be sacks, distressed lobs into traffic just to get the ball out. This is in practice. This is against, you know, your team's defense. And I'm sure, again, it's vanilla, and I'm sure it's basic. And, you know, if I'm Bill Belichick, I am very concerned about what I have done in instead of naming a coordinator, knowing that Josh McDaniels isn't coming through that door again. I can't rely on Josh McDaniels getting fired again and having him come back home like the prodigal son. I can't have that. So I'm, I'm very concerned with what's going on around Mac Jones. So I'm picking Tua Tungo-Vailoa by default. Yeah, it's, it's a tough question because, you know, the Patriots, like you alluded to, they have a new offense. What is it? <laughs> yeah, and nobody seems to grasp it, even the players. Uh, and all of the offensive players are uncomfortable. They had like a, a like a team meeting on the field because just people weren't picking it up. Um, my my question for Bill would be like, why are you trying this now? You've had success your whole career doing it one way. You've had your Charlie Weisses. You've had your Brian. Um, you've had your uh, what should we call you? You've had Josh McDaniels. You've had Bill Callahan. You've had all these guys, and now you're deciding to go to the system where everybody gets to call play. Um, everybody's at everybody's a co- offensive coordinator. Um, you know, the Patriots have also not drafted well the last couple of years. I mean, they haven't drafted a Pro Bowl cal- a Pro Bowl cal- caliber player besides Mac Jones in like four or five years. So uh, I'm not. I think they're gonna. I think there's gonna they're gonna be in a heap of trouble. Now you look on the other side, you know, the table does seem set for Tua to succeed. And uh, they've given him every weapon imaginable. He's got running backs, wide receivers, tight ends. He just needs to stay healthy. Um, And, you know, you want him to be accurate in camp. I know the pressure isn't on. 
but you want him to be accurate and and uh he he he's shine in big light he's shined before in big lights i mean he came in at halftime in the national title game won the championship so he he he's definitely he, he definitely do it you know everyone can make those throws in practice but can you make those throws in the games i think he can so i'm surprising i'm going with two as well now the other good thing is that he has a quarterback that can push him, right? Tua has a backup, a legitimate backup, who's played a significant role in the NFL in Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. Matt Jones is being pushed by Brian Hoyer. Like, that that's guy. not going to... No, like, but Matt... Brian Hoyer is very good at getting Gatorade, making sure it's the right temperature. Like, he's, you know, he can carry the clipboard just so, but he's not somebody Solid who... babysitter who, also. Uh, yeah, that's what I've heard, you know, like, that's what he's doing. But he cannot be confused with a competent quarterback. Meanwhile, Ter- Teddy Bridgewater will get significant time this year because, like I said, Tua is down for at least one injury. He's going to miss at least five games, at the minimum five games. Teddy's going to come in. He's going to do what Teddy does. The other thing that's very big that we're kind of, like, soft-pedaling here is that James White retired. So yeah. if you were expecting... James White to come and help Matt Jones out to be that, you know, that passing down that running back. Yeah, I was surprised by his retiring. But, yeah, you know, I mean, it, it, either his injuries were that severe or he saw the writing on the wall. And just like, fuck, man, we're going to suck. Forever. <laughs> you know, like, I can't wait to get to Tampa Bay. So I'm just going to I'm just going to get out now. So I, I don't know what the deal is with, with James White. Hopefully it is, you know, it, hopefully it's just that, you know, he saw it was time. And, All right, so um, let's let, okay. Let's say this. Okay, you're you're the Miami Dolphins. Mm-hmm. You open up the season you're playing the Patriots at home. Now Patriots never play good in Miami. You get the W. We win the first game of the year. Okay. But then you lose to the Ravens. You lose to the Bills. And you then you lose to the Bengals. Do you give the 49ers a phone call and try to get Jimmy G? I kind of figured that's where you were going with this. Um, well, it depends. Have the Rams beat me to it. But uh, <laughs> we're going to get to that later. But if the, if he's still on the market and he's available, I'm kick the tires. I would kick the well, tires let's and see. Say, I let's, say, make... let's say Tua gets hurt. But Tua gets hurt. I mean, your team's ready. You got four running backs that can run the football. Yeah. You got three really good wide receivers you've got a tight end that's supposed to be the next big thing you can't waste this year away no no you can't and and do you bring him in now what are you waiting for why wouldn't you right Tua could be your guy doesn't mean jimmy can't hold a clipboard down there and like you said you know you, you do you do better when someone's pushing you anyway i teddy bridgewater is good he ain't jimmy g that's true. Like Jimmy, I mean, Jimmy G is better than Teddy Bridgewater. I will give you that. If I'm the Dolphins and I feel that quarterback play is lacking and we, he is the reason why we are, you know, we have to look at the results, right? If they're getting blown out, but the offense is playing catch up most of the time, and it's just the defense can't get off the field and they're getting they're getting the shit kicked out of them. Maybe you hang on with two hang on to Tua a little bit longer and you make defensive changes. I you can't really speak to that. Now if Tua is the problem, if he is 
constantly turning the ball over and the offense isn't clicking and you're getting blown out because your offense isn't cutting the mustard, yeah, I would definitely give them, I, I would give the, the Niners a call and see what they offer. You know, see what they're looking at. If they're looking at like a six, a conditional, maybe a conditional five or a four that becomes a three. If Jimmy G plays a certain number of snaps, now remember, I might you, do that. You've also, you've also lost your first round pick next year. Oh, because... Tua, Tua can't stay. <laughs> if they, if they if, no, I mean yeah. like because of the whole scandal with the Tom Brady scandal. Like they don't have a first round pick next year. Yeah, but like, you're not going to be able to get a quarterback in the draft. No, you're you're not able to do that. And realistically, we you know you need to see what they're gonna you need to see what's going to come out of the of the college football season and who is it going to be. Uh, you know, I'm not 100 percent convinced that there's going to be a great quarterback coming down the line. And you got burned on this already. So it's one of those things that I don't know. Like if you trade for Jimmy G. I don't know necessarily if he can go to Tua again. Like I don't know how that feels if the if the well is poisoned or not. Because he seemed to take the Tom Brady thing in stride, but I, I don't know if he's going to be like, all right, that's it. Like I'm fucking done. Like the, this is you believe believe in me or don't believe in me. Trade me the Texans if you don't believe in me. Because you know what, I can start over Long Neck Davis Mills. We love youth sports. Not only do they get the kids out and active, but they promote teamwork, sportsmanship, friendship, and fair play. One of the Fade Route's favorite youth sport partners is Asning AYSO Soccer. Their mission is to develop and deliver quality, player-centered youth soccer programs that promote a fun, fair, family environment where everyone is welcome and everyone plays. If you have a child between ages 4 and 18, Registration for Fall 2022, Spring 2023 season is open. To sign up or to volunteer as a coach or referee, go to AYSO201.org today. The more volunteers, the more children can enjoy the AYSO soccer experience. Go to AYSO201.org today for more information or to sign up. AYSO201.org. More soccer for more kids. Well, Dolphins, Dolphins ownership has definitely got some decisions to make there. But Brooklyn Nets owner Joe Sy met with Kevin Durant uh, in London and uh, publicly backed coach Steve Nash and GM Sean Marks after Katie apparently gave Sy an ultimatum. This has to be the beginning of the end, right? It should have been over by now. It should have been over by now. What are they waiting for? This is not going to have a happy ending where everybody comes together and they win one for the Gipper. Reports indicate that Kyrie Irving wanted in his contract to only play 60 games. <laughs> 60 out of 82. Like, uh, you know, like, come on now. Like, if that is true, then no. Like, ship his ass out. And Kevin Durant, he, in his infinite wisdom has released the two teams that he'd most like to play with. You ready for this? The Boston Celtics, uh, last time I saw them, they were uh, in the NBA fucking finals. And the Philadelphia 76ers. Why in the hell would the 76ers do that trade? Why would, why would they reunite Kevin Durant with James Harden? Because you're gonna bankrupt that team around them. 
it'll be Embiid, Durant, Harden, and everybody else is going to be on Brooklyn. Because you need to balance out the salary. So, I, this should have been over by now. I'm glad that Joe Sy finally apparently grew a set and is backing the guy that he chose to run this team in Sean Marks and the play and the, the coach that Sean Marks has chosen to run the team in Steve Nash. However, the problem with that is that Sean Marks has already capitulated multiple times to Kevin Durant, right? Kenny Atkinson, fine coach, decent coach, not a world beater. Gotta go. KD said so. Okay. My man DeAndre Jordan, we gotta pay him. What did what did DeAndre Jordan do as a net? Got to go That's what he did. Ugats. Ugats. That's what DeAndre DeAndre Jordan did as a net. You bankrupted the team in trades. Jared Allen's gone. Spencer Dinwiddie's gone. Karis LeVert is gone. And instead, you have a group of guys that got swept out by the Boston Celtics. And Kevin Durant is playing. If you can't beat him, join him. Figure it out. Get rid of him. Figure it out. Coach Mike Westhoff. We're we're coming, Coach. I'm almost done with the book. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think people are starting to back away from Kevin Durant. Uh, the asking price was, was steep for the 34-year-old coming off of an Achilles injury. He wants to, he, you know, he, uh, he wants to play. He doesn't want to play here. Uh, he's he's a, he's an up and down clown. That's what it looks like <laughs> to me. Uh, but. I don't think it's the beginning of the end, honestly, because they don't have a choice. Like, he's going to have to play out the rest of his career here because their asking price was so high that you're not going to give up. You're not going to give up your whole team just to get this guy because guess what? Then he's going to ask to leave. He's got a history of asking to leave places. Like, you wanted to go to the Nets. You went there. They went and got the players you wanted, the coach you wanted. They set up the situation all for you. And you just slapped them in the face. So why would any other team be interested in bringing you on when you could do the same thing to them? What have I said? Coaches talk, GMs talk. Like with every single week, with every single day that this passes, the value gets lower and lower and lower. And the Nets deserve every single bit of this because you had a team, you built a team, and you decided to throw it all away to go star hunting. You know who that sounds like? The New York Knicks. You made a New York Knicks move. You're supposedly better than that. Now, you have one way to fix this. You need to get rid of Kevin Durant. Now, I'm not saying you take 10 cents on the dollar, but you can take, you can find a fair trade package. I know they were asking for Tatum and Brown for Durant, but Brad Stevens is not taking that deal. I know Brad Stevens is many things. Brad Stevens is not a fool. I have two guys. He was born on a Tuesday, but it wasn't last Tuesday. Bingo. I have two guys, young, hungry, just about entering the prime of their careers, or I can have 34-year-old Kevin Durant who can give me probably one chip. Maybe. Possibly. I don't know. The numbers don't lie. It just doesn't work. Now, take, if you can get back a player and some picks, make the move, rid yourself of this headache, and while you're at it, engage multiple teams. You can walk and chew gum at the same time. 
You don't need to package Kyrie and Durant together. You can get back much more if you split them up. If you split them up, you can send them to two different teams. You can get different players. You can bring in some young players who maybe are change of scenery guys. You can bring in more picks. Just split them up and end this experiment once and for all. Are you in need of air care maintenance or service? I have the company for you. Air Care Technicians. They service the Westchester and Northern Bronx area and can help you with all your heating and cooling maintenance and service needs. Just give them a call at 914-315-1547. Again, that's 914-315-1547. Or shoot them an email at aircaretechnicians at gmail.com. These guys are the real deal as they are veteran-owned, licensed, and insured. Make sure to tell them that DNZ sent you. Bullshit or no shit, we're going to debate this week's most controversial sports topics right now. All right, boys and girls, you know what time it is. We have statements, and it's either bullshit or no shit. Here we go. Bullshit or no shit. Number one, Matthew Stafford's elbow injury will sink the Rams. Uh, (laughs) Uh, I say it's bullshit. I think the rest of the league is going to sink the Rams. Let's remember, (laughs) for, for as good as they played last year, they were a play away from losing to the Bucs in the playoffs. They were a play away from losing to the 49ers in the championship game. And they almost lost they, they almost lost to rookie Joe Burrow of the Cincinnati Bengals in the Super Bowl. The team's not hungry. I don't see them going far this year, so I'm gonna say bullshit. That's fair. That is fair on a semantics level. I, I appreciate that. Um, I'm going to go no shit on this because it's a baseball injury from what I understand. You know, now it's being downplayed, you know, Stafford's backpedaling. Oh, it's a little sore. My elbow is just a little sore. Well, the last player, the last quarterback, I should say, to have a similar injury to this was Ben Roethlisberger and his elbow popped mid game and he had to have surgery. And that's when he had to have Mason Rudolph come in and then Miles Garrett almost beat the shit out of Mason Rudolph with his own helmet. Remember that Steelers fans? Eh, trip down memory lane. Now, Like I said before, the Rams could be in on Jimmy G. Now, would the Niners be willing to trade within division? I don't know. And would the Rams be willing to give up a good enough haul to make it worth the while for the Niners to trade within the division? Like, I don't know that. So at that point, are you waiting on a cut of a veteran backup? Because if Stafford does get hurt and that elbow does pop, you're looking at John Wolford. John Wolford, not, no, no, no. He's 20, right, he's 26 years old. I understand, you know, this could be his chance to get his shot. But from what he did, what what you've seen of him, it's uninspiring. And then you have Bryce Perkins and Luis Perez as your third and fourth string quarterbacks. So you're looking at that point. You're looking at a guy like Terod Taylor, if you can get him from the Giants. You're looking at if the, the Dolphins make the move on Jimmy G before you do. Do you go and try and get Teddy Bridgewater? 
Like, which, you know, that would be something that interests me. Um, this is a pass-heavy team. Yes, you have Akers. Yes, you have Henderson. But this team still runs on the arm of Matthew Stafford and that defense. And if Stafford goes away, Cup goes away, Robinson goes away, Jefferson goes away, and Higby goes away. So I'm going no shit on this. Like They need Matthew Stafford to be healthy. And I can't believe I'm saying that because I'm not the biggest Matthew Stafford fan in the world. Bullshit or no shit, number two, Chris Sale is done as a frontline starter. This guy's a clown. He he evidently he was riding a bike and he hit something uh, going downhill, fell off the bike and fractured his wrist. This all coming when he was supposed to come back and play this week. Uh, listen, he's 33 years old. And we see guys like Verlander, Scherzer doing it at 38, 39, 40. Uh, and they're older than him. I think he'll come back. And I, uh, so I'm going to say bullshit. I'm going no shit on this. Now, <laughs> it's it's been a while. Chris Sale signed a very lucrative five-year contract. And he's a free agent to be in 2025. They've gotten no return on this investment whatsoever. This year, he's pitched five and two-thirds innings. It doesn't matter what they put around him. It doesn't matter. You look, go back to last year, 2021, he pitched 42 and two-thirds. This is not the horse that they got from the White Sox. That's not the guy. And he's going to be a year older when he gets back. He's not going to be that front, top of the rotation starter that teams fear. He's not going to be Scherzer. He's not going to be DeGrom. He's not even going to be Justin Berlander. Chris Sale's been done for a while. He's the last person to know, unfortunately. So, I just, if I'm the Red Sox, I'm figuring out what the hell are you doing? You know, you have that fractured finger. You know, you, you took that off the line. Or you took a line drive off your finger. Fine, whatever. What are you doing? You're, you know you're supposed to be coming back this year. Do the smart thing. Stop. Don't do things that you could possibly injure yourself. Like, there are reasons. There's a reason why there are clauses in contracts. Just take it easy and just do the rehab. Just do the necessary rehab. That's all you need to do. You had one job. You had one job and you royally fucked that up and we're paying you 145 million dollars to do what not play no absolutely not the red sox may try and get it out from under this contract i don't know who would be crazy enough to take him but they would have to do a josh beckett mike lowell deal like they're gonna have if they are gonna trade chris sale they they're either gonna have to eat a shit ton of money or they're gonna they're gonna have to figure something out it, but Chris Sale is done. Like, he cannot, like, he just can't be trusted. And from a from a health standpoint, this man is fragile. Like, this man is just fragile. He needs to get a bone density scan or, like, have some extra calcium supplements or something. Because, like, I don't get it. I, I just, you know, that's a medical marvel in and of itself. Bullshit or no shit. Number three, Edwin Diaz is a candidate. For the NL Cy Young Award. Uh, I, mean, I 
listen, I think you're stretching it a little bit. Uh, DS coming out to the instrumental horn of electric is a joke. It's hilarious. Uh, to me, it's Scherzer in the National League, right? I mean, he's he's got a 1.980 RA. He's 8-2 with 120 strikeouts. So I'm going to say bullshit. I'm going to say no shit as a candidate. As a candidate. Now, as a candidate. That doesn't mean I'm saying that he's going to win it. Now, in 15 games start, right? Scherzer, 95 and two-thirds innings, 120 strikeouts, 1.98 ERA. Perfect. Cool. That's a that's a fine candidacy. Solid. Now, solid. Carlos Carrasco, also of the Mets, 13 and four, 376, 22 starts, 124 and a third innings, 123 strikeouts. Solid. Edwin Diaz in 90, what, 45 and a third innings, 91 strikeouts, and only 26 saves. Like, I understand. But now he's he's going in, he's doing multiple inning saves. So that's where that innings pitch comes to be. Now, we have not had a relief pitcher since Eric Gagne take home the Cy Young. Eric Gagne had an old, like, a mega, mega season that year. And we found out why. But, I mean, Diaz is fine as a candidate, but you have other guys out there, too. You have Tyler Anderson of the Dodgers, 13-1, and with a 2.72. You have Sandy Alcantara. He's cool off. He's 10-5 and with a 2.01. But I can interest you in that in that ERA, right? 145 Ks and 166 innings pitched. Even your boy Kyle Wright leads the National League and wins 14 and 5. 129 strikeouts and 134 and two-thirds innings. Solid. You have plenty of options. You have absolutely plenty of options. And why not throw Edwin Diaz in? He's having a great season. And he should be rewarded with you know for at least a nomination. And like I was having an argument because I went to the Met game. I went to the Met, the first uh, Mets Braves game on Thursday night, and I had a fan uh, saying to me like, you know, you probably wanted Diaz traded before this season. Yeah, why? Because he did not give you this. This is what the expectation was. So of course he wasn't cutting the mustard. Now you look at it. He's actually living up to the potential that he he was supposed to when the Mets acquired him. And I think you need to reward him for that. Now, I wouldn't go as far as to say he's the best closer in the league. You know, that's a cyclical stat, right? That's a, that's a cyclical designation. Josh Hader's had that. Kenley Jansen has been that. It's just Edwin Diaz's turn. And I'm not... You know, I'm I'm a realistic Met fan, and I can admit that. But for this year, for what he has done, Edwin Diaz deserves at least a shout-out and a nomination. For all the grill masters, green thumbers, home repair heroes, and DIY aficionados in the Richmond, Virginia area, If you're looking for a personal service, quality products, and a convenient shopping experience, look no further than Thacker Ace Hardware in Colonial Heights, Virginia. Owner Don Rackley and his team of local experts have everything you need to tackle all of your home projects. I'm talking paints by Benjamin Moore and Clark in Kensington, power tools by Craftsman and Milwaukee, electrical, plumbing, hardware, 
and let's not miss the grill. Weber, Big Green Egg, Traeger, Blackstone, top shelf, amazing. And for all you green thumbers, their nursery department is fantastic. Give them a call today, 804-766-4223, or stop by 27 Dunlop Village in Colonial Heights. That's 804-766-4223, or swing by 27 Dunlop Village in Colonial Heights. Thacker Ace is the place with the helpful hardware folks. The Fade Store presents the Alleged Superstar of the Week Award. All right, boys and girls, you know what time it is. It is time for the Alleged Superstar of the Week. You know how it goes. We put a poll up after our show at the Fade Route DNZ on Twitter. You go and you vote and you vote and you vote and you vote. And the winner gets the coveted ass trophy and a shout out on this here show. And do you know who took home the ass last week, D? I don't. Jerry Jones. That guy. Good job, Jerry. We knew you had it in you, but that was last week. This is this week. Who are your nominees for the Alleged Superstar of the Week Award, D? All right, first up, I got the front office of the New York Jets. You move the 2020 number 11 pick in the draft from left tackle to right tackle. Talk about Mackay Becton. After he comes into camp overweight and then he's recovering from season-ending injury from the previous year. Now you move him over and what happens in the first day of camp? He fractures his kneecap. Feel bad for the guy. This is on the New York Jets. New York Jets front office. You are the alleged superstars of the week. Number two, Spencer Strider. Mm. After being chased by the Mets, you, you go two and two thirds of an inning. You allow four runs and 79 pitches. You attributed the loss to the Mets having luck. Spencer called the hits weird. That is happening. That it, that these hits are happening in August, but they won't happen in October. Dude, come on, man. Be gracious, loser. Don't say the only way you can get beat by the Mets is by luck. Spencer Strider, you are an alleged superstar of the week. And last and certainly least, Antonio Brown. Back in the news. The man has quite a question, quite a few questionable moments in his life, leaving in the middle of the Jets game. FaceTiming in the Steelers locker room after a Steeler game or, you know, getting signed by the Raiders and coming to camp with freezer burn on your feet. Despite all that, the former wide receiver claims the biggest regret was his inability to see himself play. Quote, I sure could watch myself, you know, I could, I could watch myself on film after a game, but I can't imagine what it was like for you all to see something like that live must be like watching the Beatles or Jesus perform on Red Rocks. What? Antonio Brown, you are my alleged superstar of the week. What do you got, Z? The Antonio Brown thing is just so wacky, man. <laughs> like The Beatles or, I, or Jesus Christ. I, you know, like, I, I'm not making light of this. I Somebody ser- drug test this man. I, something is up. With Antonio Brown, man, I don't know, like, if it's the effect of concussions. I don't know what's going on, 
But seriously, and Antonio, if you are listening, it, it's it's concerning. Like we're it's concerning. Like I'm not bullshitting you right now. I'm not like that. That's some of these statements and some of these actions are concerning. But we're going to continue on with this. And for me, like we have a late entrant, Marshawn Lynch, allegedly stealing a car, being drunk, then stealing a car, then getting pulled over. Two of the tires are missing, including the front driver's side tire, which I don't even know how the hell you did that, but that's impressive. It's like, you know, it's like eating the whole wheel of cheese and pooping in the refrigerator. But being dragged out of the car in Vegas, it's just a bad look. It's just a bad look, Marshawn. Marshawn Lynch, you are my alleged superstar of the week. Joey Gallo for trashing Yankee fans. I mean, Joey, what are you doing? Joey Gallo is so pitiful. How pitiful is he? That it's not even fun making fun of him anymore. (laughs) See, I disagree with BT. I think that it is very fun to make fun of Joey Gallo. Now, in his comments, Gallo said, It's been a while since I've heard people chanting for me, so I'm pretty excited about that. They've been awesome so far, just cheering me on, saying they love that I'm here and it makes me feel good. And we've been working on a lot of stuff. We've definitely been working a lot. I think one of the reasons they brought me over is because they saw something they felt they could fix and help me be a better player, blah, blah, blah. Now, having gone to a game, having seen Joey Gallo in Yankee pinstripes and see him actively troll little kids in between innings with the, the ball, like you have no fan in me, Mr. Gallo. The reason why you're not in the Bronx right now is because you couldn't hack it. So let's be real here. Joey Gallo, you are a legend superstar of the week. Rodolfo Castro. Ooh. The, the Pittsburgh Pirates player, utility player, got called back up. It's very exciting. Like it's a big day. I'm back in the bigs. I'm going to play. I got a hit. Holy shit, this is great. I'm going to slide head first into third base. I forgot to take my phone out of my back pocket and it fell out of my pocket. Now my phone is on the field. What? Rodolfo Castro, leave your personal belongings in the dugout. Have we not learned anything from Wander Franco? Leave that shit someplace else. Rodolfo Castro, you are my alleged superstar of the week. And Chris Sale. Chris Sale. Come on now. You're already out injured. You have a broken wrist in the bike accident. You're out for the remainder of the season. You're making so much money. And this is how you choose to act. And we didn't even cover when you went off in the Worcester dugout, in the Worcester clubhouse, and trashed it over a bad rehab start. Chris Sale, you got some thinking to do. You got to start thinking about your future because I don't think it's in the major leagues. Chris Sale, you are my alleged superstar of the week. I think we've said our piece on this. Go to the Fade Route DNZ Twitter page and vote and vote and vote and vote. And for the winners and for the nominees. Just do better, boys. Just do better.
Your favorite podcast has its own merch line now. Go to the Fade Store with DNZ.com today for all your Fade Route merch needs. I'm talking tank tops, t-shirts, sweatshirts, like yoga pants, we got those too. Like some cool accessories, we got those too. And we're not done yet. We have so much more planned for you, but check out what we have today at the Fade Store with DNZ.com. That's the Fade Store with DNZ.com. Order up! Continuing on with our NFL preview, it is time for us to order up. Order up, order up. This week, we are ordering up the NFC North from 4 to 1. Who you got, D? All right, starting with the Bears, the Chicago Bears, the monsters of the midway, more like the kittens of the midway. <laughs> They've got nobody to throw the ball to. They're about to lose Rokon Smith. He wants out because he's not getting the contract he wants. And I do not believe in their offensive scheme. So I got the Bears sitting at four. Number three, the Detroit Lions. I think they finished above 500 and they have glimpses of greatness. But, you know, they can't keep it together for the whole season. Uh, So I'm going with Detroit Lions at number three. Number two. I'm going with the Green Bay Packers. I think they struggle with their identity offensively, but they come together strongly. I think their uh, rookie wide receiver turns out to be a stud, uh, and they'll make the playoffs. And number one, you might laugh at me, but I think it's the Minnesota Vikings. I think this is I think this is their year, similar to the Falcons from a few years ago. I think Cousins has an MVP season. Jefferson and Dillon play off each other. Cook goes for over a thousand yards. Irv Smith Jr.'s back comes comes back strong. Hunter and Smith stay healthy, and their defense ranks in the top ten. What do you got, Z? Well, we have some agreement on the bottom of the division. We'll put it that way. The Chicago Bears are awful. Awful, 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 awful. Justin Fields, I can't tell you if he's good or not, but I can tell you who's not good. Trevor Simeon and Nathan Peterman. If Justin Fields goes down for an extended period of time, you have Trevor Simeon and the Peterman. The Peterman throwing to Darnell Mooney, Byron Pringle, Dallas Jones Jr. and Nikhil Harry whenever he just whenever he comes back because he had foot surgery. <laughs> you know, Nikhil Nikhil Harry has just been a bust of a bust. When you're looking at Komet and Ryan Griffin are your best options, you're gonna have a very long season. And I understand where Roquan Smith is coming from, that he wants to be traded, but you can still, you're still in a position to make this team better. Eddie Jackson, another great player on this team, but he can, he's still in a position to make things better. It's just not great on the offensive side. And Eberflus, I don't know how he is the head coach, but we're certainly going to find out. Number three, the Detroit Lions. You know, they have a running game with DeAndre Swift, they have a competent quarterback in Jared Goff. Wideouts, they believe in Jamison Williams. They think he's going to be really special. They have Hawkinson as their tight end. They've got some players. They definitely have some players. They have another year under Dan Campbell. 
can this defense be better now that you have Aiden Hutchinson into the fold? And, you know, we'll see. We will definitely see. But the one thing the Lions have going for them, they're not the Bears. Number two, I'm going with the Vikings. And here's why. You have Kurt regression to the mean cousins. The only thing that's going to save him from being 500 this year is that he mathematically can't go 500 this year. So kudos to you, Kirk. Dalvin Cook, great running back. Can he stay healthy? Can he do it? Chris Johnson, CJ2K, came out and said, like, there are two guys that he can see rushing for 2,000 yards. He said Dalvin Cook is one of them. I agree. Dalvin Cook never spends a full season on the football field. Madison's good. Not as good as Cook. And with Cousins, yeah, you got Jefferson. Yeah, you got Thielen. Irv Smith Jr. is solid. The quarterback is still the problem. I get Mike Zimmer didn't like him. And there's a lot not to like about Kirk Cousins. Second place all the way. And for me, number one, the Green Bay Packers. I'm on record. I've said it before. Their not so great is better than a lot of people's best. And... Aaron Rodgers, we know what he likes to do. Aaron Rodgers is kind of a prick. Like he's gonna, he's gonna sling it, and he's gonna have an MB, MVP caliber season on spite alone. Never mind Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, solid running game. You know what I've said multiple times about wideout. They need one more guy. Odell Beckham Jr. I'm looking at you. If Tunyon can come back great if not Mercedes Lewis is there like you know like great pass it you know he'll he'll catch some touchdown passes but ultimately this is Mr. Rogers neighborhood and they're going to take home another division title won't translate to postseason success but they'll be there this has been the fade route with DNZ. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Catch our podcast Wednesday nights on Anchor, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Until next time, stay faded, everyone. Time for us to run the go route, but we'll talk to you next week. want to get on the action we want to hear from you hit us up fade route mail at gmail.com slide in our dms on ig at fade route podcast drop us a dm on twitter at fade route dnz comment on our youtube channel the fade route with dnz questions comments picks segment suggestions you name it we want to hear from you get at us in crowd Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you like what you heard and want to hear more, be sure to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Rate us five stars. Leave us a review. Turn on subscription notifications and tell your friends. Spread the word. Spread it wide.